Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. All right, and welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. Along with Donnie, Donnie, Donnie Cage. Mr. Cage, how are we doing on this Royal Rumble Eve, sir? Excited is just one word to describe. Elated. Can't wait to see the Royal Rumble. Me either. I have been waiting all week, very impatiently. I have uh, been looking at old tapes on Royal Rumbles. I've been listening to every uh, pre-Royal Rumble interview that I can get my hands on. I am ready. I am ready, ready, ready. All right, folks, so if this is your first time listening to the show, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button no matter which platform you're listening to us on. We're on all major platforms, including iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the list goes on. Also, we do drop new episodes here every Monday and Friday. We will be doing a live stream tomorrow for the Royal Rumble, and that'll be on our on the YouTube channel, KY Guy eighty, KY Guy eighty, Kentucky Guy eighty. Uh, also, if you have any questions for myself or for Donnie, you can always email us, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can always email us at ol Kentucky. 99 at yahoo.com. That's O-L, Kentucky spelled out. 99 at yahoo.com. And let me make a clarification on that YouTube channel. I apologize. It's Kentucky, Guy 8080. KY Guy 8080. I just, I thought I said that wrong, so I re-looked it up. Anyways, uh, Mr. Cage, he also has a podcast that he created and co-host of called Uncaged Voice. Sir, you want to go ahead and tell everybody about that show? Yes, sir. If you'd like to watch the Uncaged Voice podcast, we just dropped our first new episode of 2023 on YouTube. We talk all about the uh, superhero movie craze going into this year. It is myself, that's Donnie Cage, Top Tier Rated, and Jigsaw Jester. And we have a brand new episode coming your way uh, tonight that's going to drop within the next couple of days. Fantastic, fantastic. Also, if you'd like to keep, uh, keep up to date, on current events, news, politics, all that good stuff, or you'd like to hear some interesting interviews, you can always check out the Red Pill Current News Podcast. I have actually created and host that. We drop new episodes there every Wednesday and Saturday. We're all the time doing something a little bit crazy. This is a crazy world we're living in right now. So many things happening, not just in the wrestling world, but our news and political world, uh, hint, hint, uh, classified documentations. That's all I'll say. But uh, <laughs> anyways, like I said, we do drop new episodes here 
on Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast every Monday and Friday. Now, to start off the show, we're going to start like we always do. Donnie came up with this segment last year, and I really, it's one of my favorite segments of the show. It's called My Fantasy Booking. And basically what we do is each of us take a wrestler, either present or from the past, and we discuss basically if their career could have been different, how we would have projected it in a certain promotion. Maybe they done well in one promotion and not the other, which is usually the case. Or everybody dropped the ball on a fantastic athlete, which is a, just a crying out loud shame. But anywho, as always, Mr. Cage, I'll let you get us started, sir. Well, I just want to start out by saying that I take my fantasy bookings very seriously. So, uh, without with that, <laughs> my pick for this week is is a legendary Japanese wrestler who just recently wrestled his last match in his legendary gimmick. I am talking about none other than Keiji Muto, the great Muda. I mean, when you think of Japanese wrestling, he's one of the names you automatically think of. I mean, you've also got your Jushin Ligers, your Antonio Inokis, your Masahiro Chonos, and many other wrestlers. But the great Muda is someone that I think most American wrestling fans have at least heard the name. And he got his start in the NWA in late in, in 1989. He was an NWA World Television Champion. He feuded with some of the biggest stars the promotion had to offer at the time. Sting, Lex Luger, Ric Flair. He teamed up with Terry Funk in the famous Thunderdome Cage match, which was at the first Halloween Havoc pay-per-view. And um, continued to work sporadically for WCW for many years. He was the 1992 winner of the Battle Bowl Tournament was the first wrestler to simultaneously hold the NWA and IWGP World Heavyweight titles at the same time. That was quite an accomplishment then. And yet, WCW, in my opinion, could have done better with this guy. And the reason I say that is because a month after he won the NWA World title, he defended it on pay-per-view against Barry Windham. Now, Barry Windham, I just want to say, first off, great wrestler, had one heck of a career, Comes from a wrestling family, as we all know, and definitely deserving of a world title run. However, in my opinion, at this particular time, Muda was just on fire. He was on a different level, and he should have retained the title against Barry Windham here in at Super Bowl three. And this could have built toward an, towards an eventual match with the returning Nature Boy Ric Flair. Ric Flair, as you know, won the title in July of that year from Barry Windham who he also had a history with, but just imagine how much more money WCW could have probably made if they matched the Great Muda up against Ric Flair. So the Great Muda, as champion, as NWA World Heavyweight Champion, could have had so many different feuds to build up to an eventual match with Ric Flair. He could have faced Vader. He could have faced Cactus Jack. He could have faced Rick Rude. He could have faced Dustin Rhodes, Ricky Steamboat. There was so, there was so much talent. And so much money WCW could have made at the time. But he wins the title, loses it a month later, and then he goes back to Japan. Now, don't misunderstand me. Muda had an amazing career in Japan. Multiple-time IWGP champion, a GHC World Heavyweight Champion, All Japan Triple Crown Champion. This guy did it all in Japan. But he only sporadically would come back to the United States. And he came back to WCW in the year 2000. And what did they do? 
They put him in the Dark Carnival with the Insane Clown Posse and Vampiro. Now, no disrespect to Vampiro. Insane Clown Posse, I kind of take it or leave him. But it's the Great Muda. Come on. You've got to do more with him than just make him part of a faction where he's basically playing second fiddle to everyone else. Fortunately, his career did recover, and he went on to great success in All Japan Pro Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Noah, once again in New Japan Pro Wrestling. The man's a legend. He's a living legend. But I just feel like WCW could have utilized him a lot better than they did, and and that wasn't the case, and it was very unfortunate. Still a legend, though, and, and still ha- has had a great career. Your thoughts, Kentucky guy? Now, wasn't he a part of the NWO as well? He was. He was with them around 96, 97, made a few appearances on WCW television. Gotcha. So, the great, I guess my my worst thing I can say about the great Muda was his career started out as a lie. And when you start your career out as a lie, that leaves a bad taste in normal wrestling fans' mouths like myself. Well, what do you mean, Kentucky guy? How did the great Muda start his career out as a lie? Well, Gary Hart, who was his manager, when the great Muda first came on the scene, he announced him as being the son of the great Kabuki, another for, another wrestler that he managed. However, there's no blood relation between the two whatsoever. It was a flat-out lie. He's a liar. The great Muda's a liar. It's a sham. All these years, and this just recently came out in the last couple of years. This was 10, 20 years ago. It's it just it's sickening. And he's homophobic. He just recently had a match against Shinsei Nakamura. And at the end of the match, after Shinsei Nakamura beat him, by the way, he said, oh, quote, he's good. Shinsei, good. But maybe he queer, he's a faggot. Maybe. Bye-bye, Shinsei. His exact words. So you can sing his praises all you want to because he's retired, but this guy's not going to because he's pathetic. Okay, so let's move on to my fantasy booking this week. My fantasy booking in this episode is a gentleman who continues to prove himself all over the world. That gentleman is Philip Paul Lloyd. He's a South African-American professional wrestler. Oh, what, Kentucky guy? Who's this Philip Paul Lloyd guy? I mean, you're supposed to talk about somebody we at least heard about. Oh, you know him. He's best known for his time in the WWE under the ring name Justin Gabriel. He currently wrestles and doing a phenomenal job under the ring name PJ Black. What I'm going to talk about I want to talk about a little bit about his history and just how the WCW truly dropped the ball with this guy. So he was originally trained by his father, who was a promoter and a wrestler in South Africa. He made his professional wrestling debut at the age of 16 under the ring name that he actually goes by now, PJ Black. His father was shot and killed in front of him during his final year in high school. And a year later, he moved to the United Kingdom. PJ spent five years in the United Kingdom where he trained with Frontier Wrestling Alliance. And in uh, 2003, he finally made his FWA debut. From then, from 2003 to 2008, he signed a three-year development deal with the WWE. He was the first South African person to do so. 
He was he was assigned to the FCW WWE's development territory, where he captured the FCW Championship Heavyweight Championship. While he was there, in February 2010, he changed his ring name to Justin Gabriel. After a near six-month ring of being a heavyweight champion for the FCW, he lost his championship belt. In June of 2010, on an episode of Raw, Gabriel and the other Season 1 NXT rookies debuted, turning villains by interfering in a main event match between John Cena and CM Punk. They attacked both competitors. Nexus Faction. Gabriel's character had direction. He had a stablemate, uh, Heath Slater, who they both together captured the tag team titles. By the way, they were the WWE Tag Team Champions three times on three separate occasions. So, first of all, Heath Slater, the one-man rock band, we know how silly that was. So, I wonder who carried who in that tag team. Yeah. In mid-2014, Gabriel began competing more on NXT with the initiation, with the intention to help solidify the brand and elevate talent. He was even willing at that young of an age to put over talent back then. Even then, Gabriel lost all of his televised single matches, including to Adrian Neville, Tyler Breeze, and Hendo Atamie. Really? No no kidding. The, he loses the... <laughs> These guys aren't even with the company anymore either, and they're not even wrestling anywhere, most of them. It was reported on January 24th, 2015, that he left the WWE. In an interview, and this is what I want to get over, uh, I actually found an interview that he did and why he left. And I want you guys to pay closely attention to a couple of these things. The first question was, why did you quit the WWE? By the way, he quit the WWE that year in January 20, uh, in 2015, right before the Royal Rumble, the pay-per-view that's coming up. Quote, I see myself as more of an artist. I don't really care about how much money I make. For me, it's more about the art of professional wrestling. There are a lot of guys that will just hang around because Vince will give everyone a shot, and some guys will just hang around thinking that tomorrow will be their shot. And then the next thing you know, three years have gone by. One year went by, and I realized it wasn't going to happen. And I couldn't wait any longer, and that is the reason why I quit. He wasn't getting a push or a shot. This is an interesting question. Would you ever return to the WWE? Quote, quite possibly in two or three years. Who knows? I don't plan that far ahead. Vince actually called me and said he knew I wanted to do my own thing and have more wrestling time. So he told me to go away for two to three years and go do my thing and possibly come back. Hunter, on the other hand, didn't like the way that I did it because I quit over the phone and told me he's going to make me wait ages before I'll be allowed back to come back to the WWE. One of the craziest gimmick that the WWE made me do was I joined the Rosebud Entourage and was dressed as a rabbit in a rabbit suit at various times in late 2014. It appeared that that character and the reveal Whomever was inside the costume could have been bigger than the star, Rose himself. And then uh, I found this very interesting. He said it started out just being a little character. Then it kind of evolved from there. Then I'm like, 
I'm not going to be this dare wolf character. Let me make this bunny really cool. But as always, everything got shot down. Each time I come up with something, or Adam would come up with something, it got shot down. I came up with an idea for the bunny to become really hardcore. He had dry blood all over him, sitting backstage, grumpy, smoking cigars. Then maybe the bunny gets knocked out backstage, a ref shows up, and it's Vince McMahon. That's the only shock factor it could be. If it was someone on the roster, or it could be. If it's if it's going to be anybody on the roster, then Vince wakes up and just goes, I don't know what happened. I put the suit on, and I just blacked out. Everybody loved the idea. However, nothing came of it. And once again, once again, the idea of how frustrating it was to have an idea that everyone loved and still nothing come on it. So as I mentioned, he was a three-time WWE Tag Team Champion. He is doing a phenomenal job now. He is all over, uh, is like I mentioned, as PJ Black. And he is just really rocking the wrestling world. And I think it's a shame that the WWE couldn't do more with this guy. Your thoughts, sir? Well, a couple of things. Um, first off, we are joined by uh, Mr. Warren Marlowe. Warren, it's good to have you on the show again. Hey. All right, Donnie, go ahead. So, um, Kentucky guy, to answer your question about uh, Justin Gabriel. So, I remember seeing this guy uh, come on the scene during the first season of NXT, and then he was a member of the Nexus. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, out of this whole group, he's probably one of the better workers, no question about it. Guy delivers a heck of a 450 splash, so he's got great agility. When he was paired up with Heath Slater as a tag team, I thought that was a good way for them to protect him because he could be the workhorse of the group. And Heath Slater, the one-man the one man band, could be the personality, the guy who cut the promos. But, of course, we can say what we want about the booking of the Nexus. That probably warrants its whole, its whole own episode. But uh, I don't know. To me, I, was, I always liked his in-ring ability. But, man, his... To me, he had he had the personality of like a clamshell. I, as in, there was n- not much of a personality, so it was hard for me to get behind the guy. Now, I have heard, as you said, that he's done a lot in his post WWE time, and I'm and I'm sure that's probably what was best for him. Go to wrestling companies where you can show off your in ring ability. But as far as you know. Would he have ever become a bigger star in the WWE? I, I don't know. I feel I kind of feel like he had a ceiling, and, and he hit that ceiling. And especially if Triple H was one of the guys who was not a fan of his and basically said, the second you walk out that, that door, you're we're not going to welcome you back with open arms. I think he pretty much killed any chance he had of coming back to WWE. I mean, just my opinion, but yeah, he was okay, but... I don't think it was anything special. That's not what Triple H said, by the way. Triple H said that the way he quit, he quit without over the phone, that it would be a long time before he's able to come back. He didn't So get your facts right, boy. Okay. <laughs> uh, Warren, did you do a, uh, a fantasy booking? Um, I'm trying to remember. So... Is it just saying like if they were just promoted better or something? I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I don't. I don't think. No, I can't understand what you're saying. You're. You're. Uh-huh. Feel very. Uh-huh. Hold on, real quick. Getting in the 
time for a frame again. Uh, if you didn't do one, that's fine. We can just move on to wrestling news. <laughs> um, the one I would like to have said, of course, is I, I think everybody would say is the one with Booker T. Um, Booker T not getting a heavyweight title period in WWE is still kind of a shocker to me. Um, obviously with him winning, you know, that match that he had with Triple H at WrestleMania, everybody's still, <laughs> we still hear bad things about that one regarding how that went down and the end result of it. But, um, I think that'd be the really the only, well, I've been contemplating this one match that everybody, I'm pretty sure the whole world would know, is obviously the Rock and Austin thing. And I've always said, what if, um, do y'all think that match that they had in Seattle, do y'all think it could have been a main event? I've got to be honest with you. That's so much static that I can't, I don't, I heard Booker T's the only thing I can make out. Okay, hold on. Let me to change my headphones. Sorry about that. I don't know. Oh, Johnny, could you understand? Well, 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 the one thing I did catch is he was talking about Booker T's match at WrestleMania 19 with Triple H and the outcome of that yeah. match, which I think we all, to, the, to this day, can say that that was not booked the way it should have been. Uh, Booker T should have definitely gone over in that match. They were certainly building it up that it was going to be his time. But one one caveat to that is a few years later, we did get to see King Booker win the world heavyweight title from Rey Mysterio. That's right. Yeah, I totally forgot about that one. Oh, uh, it's much better. <laughs> Clear as day we can hear you. Oh, now. yeah. that's Okay. Yeah. So, there is one that I've always been kind of contemplating. So, you remember the match that Austin and Rock had at WrestleMania 19? Um, do y'all believe that that match could have been the main event? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't still kind of wish it was. In my honest opinion, especially with those three, those two that have had both matches as main events back to back, their final one I believe should have still been the main event. But I know that they had all the stuff and Austin's health issues and stuff like that. But that's one thing I wish could have been a main event, especially finally The Rock finally getting the win over Austin, which is still insane to find out that Rock only won once at Mania, but. Obviously, the Booker T one definitely would probably be the fantasy booking one. Um, the one you were talking about, you know, uh, with Justin Gabriel. Um, he actually still works overseas, if, I, if I'm correct. Um, and I think he still uses the persona PJ Black as well, too. Or TJ Black, or which one it is. PJ Black. Yeah. I think he still works overseas. Um, the biggest thing is with him, he had a bad reputation at, in the locker room as well. If anybody don't remember, he was dating like seven different ladies in there or something. I can't remember the full thing on it, but yeah. One of them was one of the main draws, and it caused her to get a divorce with someone, and she was more over than him. I do remember that part. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't, I mean, okay, that's not good, right? I mean, it means he's a piece of crap, but it doesn't affect his wrestling ability. Eh, I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't speak on a microphone for nothing. But um, his in-ring ability, of course, yes. One guy he reminded me of, I mean, he's better on the mic now, is when WWE had Evan Bourne. Like, Evan Bourne could move flawlessly in the ring, but when he came to a promo, you never wanted to give this man a microphone because, one, his voice was squeaky, and, two, it just 
he could he wouldn't speak out loud enough to understand what he was trying to pursue pursue in as a promo, and I think that's the same thing I got with Justin Gabriel around with that as well. But sorry on the fancy booking a little bit ultra, but obviously the Booker T one I kind of wish that Booker T would have got a more upper right push, especially when he was on that babyface persona. Um, Booker was hot that whole freaking year, and. It, it kind of sucks that he, that died out after you know after he wrestled Triple H and you kind of didn't get anything out of him until the King Booker persona. Right, right. Okay, all right. So I think that's uh, I think those are all three pretty good. Let's uh, move on to the next part, which is wrestling news. Okay, so on the first piece of news, I'm just going to let you guys know it's going to be. The same, the same thing, the same person for about three of the first headlines because they did an interview today, but I want to dissect it one by one. And uh, here we go. First headline. What was going on? Okay, by the way, Bray Wyatt did an interview as Bray Wyatt mm-hmm. on the Fox WWE news channel or Fox, yeah, Fox WWE news channel. Today, I watched it at, I think it was like 10 a.m. this morning. And here's some of the questions that were asked because it's very, I think it's very interesting what he had to say. He was not in character. However, he did hold a lot of things very close to the vest, which I like. So one question was, on what was going on during your personal life last year, during 2021? Quote, there was so much going on, it it came, but it came out of nowhere. I wasn't prepared for anything of that. I lost Brody. Then I lost my best friend from college, Mark. It was something that I didn't deal with very well. Brody's wife, Amanda, dealt with it. The kids dealt with it better than me. There's something There's something there that reminds me of him every single day. I think that the time period was such a kernel uh, for me. I wasn't myself, and it took me a while to remember what makes me, me. It was a long journey, man, but it's led me here to this moment, and this is the best I've felt, I've ever felt. Bray was also asked, what should we expect during the black, uh, the pitch black Mountain Dew match? Quote, I think this is, I think that's kind of the beauty of it. Usually in these kinds of situations, there's all kinds of crazy, mystical surrounding it and it all seems to be kind of devered from my mind but this one is not like that it's kind of cool you know being the being thrust in a position where i genuinely don't know what the pitch black match is going to be like i've been assured that it's unlike anything that's ever been seen before and i can't imagine that i love to innovate i love to take risks and do things that everyone else wouldn't dare to do because I'm half an idiot and half a genius, I guess. But I have no idea, and I think that's exciting for me. It's cooler that way. I'd rather just walk into the unknown. It's what I'm best at, I think. So I'm going to go ahead. Those those two statements there are pretty strong and powerful. We'll go ahead and break those down first, and then we'll move on to the other ones. So... Here's the thing. Of course, I mean, we already know about 2021. It was horrible. He lost his job. He lost his friends. I mean, it's just a rough time. C- 
couldn't, couldn't imagine going through all that at once. The Mountain Dew, the pitch black match, uh, yeah, that's kind of crazy. So he didn't come up with the match. It sounds like he didn't have anything to do with it as far as putting the match together. So I don't know what to expect. And I was kind of shocked when I heard that. So I know he did the, the Man in the Woods. He did the John Cena fight, the Firehouse, uh, uh, the Funhouse fight. He did all those. Randy Orton, Alexa Bliss, at WrestleMania, blah, blah, blah. He did not have a hand in this match, and I think that's very interesting. Donnie, your thoughts? Well, Kentucky guy, this is just my opinion, and I think that we're, we're overthinking this match completely. I think it's going to be a really simple premise. I think it's going to be similar to a match like, like when you have a, a buried alive match or a casket match or something. The object's going to be to put your, your opponent into this contraption, and in this case, I think it's going to be a giant tank of pitch black flavored Mountain Dew. One guy's got to knock the other guy into the tank. They got to slam the lid, and that's and that's and that's it. The other guy just, uh, you know, death by drowning, I guess. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm kidding. I I have absolutely no idea what to expect with this match. I hope it's going to be that, sticky. <laughs> oh, but you you telling me? <laughs> I have a couple gallons of water waiting for me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I have absolutely no idea what a pitch black match constitutes. I I hope it's cool. I hope it, there's some innovative ideas in it. I hope there's an appearance by Uncle Howdy, um, because we can't forget about him. So could be interesting. I, I, but and I am intrigued by the fact that Bray said I had no input in this match whatsoever. So even he is like, what well, well, what's going to happen here? I, I I don't know. And then I mean just. As far as his personal life and what was going on, I mean, I, I feel for the guy. I mean, especially if you lost your best friend in real life and also, you know, another close family friend, Brody Lee. Uh, I know he's also had, you know, issues with his ex-wife and everything. And I think a custody battle with his kids. This man's been through the ringer in real life. So I sympathize for him. And I am just happy that he was able to get rehired by WWE and is back on television where he's very clearly happy doing what he loves once again. Um, Warren, I'll turn it over to you. I mean, I don't know if I can follow up on that, uh, you know, the tank of pitch black. <laughs> Mountain Dew. <laughs> but um, I like the reference. But, yes, um, in all seriousness with Bray, Bray has been going through what we, per se, through the, through the ringer off and on the entire year of 2021 uh, with Brody. Um, with his other friend, and like how you said also, Donnie, um, his ex-wife. His ex-wife was accusing him of a constant, numerous things. If it anybody didn't remember, um, talking about he doesn't want to go see his kids and all this stuff. So he's been going through a, a lot. And to lose his job, I mean, that's that's really tough. Now, this match... I think at first it was supposed to have been something to showcase Bray in an unstoppable, an, an unstoppable picture like how we used to see with him in The Fiend when he would first wrestle guys and stuff, you know, the build up to the match and stuff. This one's going to be a little tricky now because LA Knight has really showcased himself with the WWE audience and with just the fan base itself. Now... You, you're in that bubble now where you have to make LA Knight look very 
powerful in this as well. But you still got this presentation of Bray Wyatt where we have been waiting countless countless months now for him to showcase what he is trying to bring out. We have only seen snippets of it. We have seen clips of it. I feel like the pitch black match, we're going to get a little bit extra with it. Obviously, we're going to see Uncle Howdy. Um, I don't. The biggest thing I want to say on this, if the match is before Alexa Bliss's, I feel like it'll probably just be Uncle Howdy interfering into the Bray Wyatt match. But if Alexa Bliss's match and Bianca's match is before theirs, I feel like Alexa is going to be involved in this as well. Um, and then I feel like the big story is going to be written basically at WrestleMania. But like I said, with LA Knight, how he's been standing out lately right now and how things have been going for him, you're going to have to make LA Knight look good out of this as well. And not just basically like the normal Bray Wyatt matches we used to see where he just dominates the living crap out of somebody. Um, the promo, I meant the interview that he said, I mean, coming from me, um, if I'm trying to get you to watch these shows and get you to watch these things, obviously I cannot tell you, okay, this is what's going to happen and this is what's going to go. No, you're going to say, I don't know, whatever. But I'm pretty sure nobody has an idea what this pitch black match is going to be. I feel like the writer that WWE has got signed from the, from the Marvel industry is the one that's put this thing together. And I feel like it's going to be a really awesome experience. It's going to be an awesome <laughs> promotion for Mountain Dew itself. But uh, most importantly, I think it's going to be an entertaining thing for us to see not only LA Knight, but Bray Wyatt and see where this Uncle Howdy character is all drawing up to be. I feel like this has been like an alter ego for Bray. I feel like Bray's been trying to refuse to go back to that darker age. And I feel like Uncle Howdy is basically his wake-up call to be like, hey, man, you've done your own. Now it's time to follow back to what you, what you should know. And I feel like that's what we're going to kind of get out of it. But who knows? But I'm intrigued by it. I feel like everybody's putting too much into this match. But like I said, LA Knight has put so much focus into himself with the audience now. You cannot do what you were planning to do to begin with. Right. In my honest opinion. Yeah, so speaking of Uncle Howdy, that is the next uh, question that he was asked uh, on Uncle on the Uncle Howdy, uh, Howdy character. <laughs> Quote, there's things about me that people don't understand. When they see all these chapters in myself, they kind of look at them as, oh, like split personalities or something like that. If you ever met anyone with personalities, you would see that it's not so cut and dry. It's not so simple. Mm -hmm. It's not like a movie. I suffer from a diagnosis that I'm not going to share with people. And I like being the voice for people uh, to see on a real basis instead of a cartoonish version. But Uncle Howdy, Bray, mm -hmm. and all these things, these are all real. They're based on moments and things that have really happened. The Uncle Howdy, there's mm -hmm. so much more to it than you think. It's not just so cut and dry. The spooky man in the background. There's more to it. There's complexities that you haven't got to see yet. There's things that I don't understand about it. And that's the beauty of it. It's going to grow organically. But the story of it, I don't even think has been told yet. Once you understand what really is and where it came from, 
in my childhood and who Uncle who Howdy really is, it's much deeper than you think it is, than you would perceive it to be. Yeah. So, <laughs> and let me read the next question real quick, and then we'll we'll break them both down. Next question was, and I thought this was interesting. By the way, if anybody listening missed the 30th anniversary Raw show, you missed a lot. I thought it was very entertaining. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. This is one of the great things. The Undertaker come out as the all-American badass instead of the normal Undertaker. L.A. Knight shows up, and the Undertaker turns L.A. Knight by, I, I thought he was going to choke slam him, but he turns him over to Bray Wyatt when Bray enters the ring. I thought it was fantastic. And then, this was the question. Bray, what did the Undertaker whisper in your ear on at the Raw 30th anniversary? Quote, I think everybody kind of can see it for what it is, right? When something like that happens, that's something that no one can take away from me. That moment belongs to me. No one else in the world, in the history of time, ever gets to have that moment. No one but me. What he said was something that only I would have understood and something that only I would be able to appreciate for when and where it happened. It was something I never thought would come, but what he said exactly is between me and him and God and the devil. I'll never, never tell a so. I'll go to my grave with it. But it was powerful. And it was unexpected. Very, very cool. Something that I will cherish the rest of my life. That's pretty cool. A lot of people are speculating that The Undertaker kind of passed the torch on to him. Uh, And I kind of think that's what it was, too. The Undertaker's, you know, he used to be the face of fear. was his yard for many, many years. And I know at one time, at one time I read this, that The Undertaker, after a match with Bray Wyatt at a WrestleMania, he told the Undertaker told Vince McMahon to take care of Bray Wyatt, that he was special. So he's always had great respect for him. So I think he just kind of patched the torch. On the Uncle Howdy thing, whoo, I don't know. I have no idea, man. I still think it, the person is Bo Dallas, but where he come from in that, and the story's not even started to be told yet, wow, I'm here for it. Uh, your thoughts, Donnie? Well, if you read a lot of the articles that have been circulating on the wrestling websites, I don't want to call them the dirt sheets, but the articles, they have basically confirmed that it's been Bo Dallas playing the character. There was some speculation that it was former Ring of Honor wrestler Vincent that could have been playing Uncle Howdy, but those reports have been proven to be untrue. It is 100% Bo Dallas under the mask. Now, whether Uncle Howdy is ever going to take the mask off and reveal that it's Bo Dallas in storyline is another matter altogether. This could just be Bo Dallas is playing this character, and that's who's playing him behind the scenes, but Uncle Howdy, for the purpose of the storyline, is somebody we've never seen before. Brand new character um, who, who is very unpredictable. So I, 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 I am intrigued by the fact that Bray said he basically took some real-life inspiration for the Uncle Howdy character. I mean, I I always say when you relate stuff to your real personality in your real life, that's how you create the best and most intriguing storylines. So so we'll have to see where it goes from here. Once again, they need to give us some more answers on Saturday about Uncle Howdy and his connection to Bray Wyatt. But um, as far as the Undertaker interaction, you know, the one and only thing I didn't like about this whole segment, 
I had no issue with The Undertaker coming out as Biker Taker. That was fine. In fact, I think that makes sense because right now the one-man shows he's doing, he's basically in his real-life persona, which is what the Biker biker Taker was always based off of, his real-life personality. Um, whoever tried to help him get the motorcycle started should be fired from their job because he was having so much trouble getting that thing running. It, 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 it like killed the momentum of the segment. But that moment when The Undertaker leaned in and whispered to Bray Wyatt, I also interpreted that as him basically passing the torch. Your thoughts, Warren? Pretty sure he said it's your yard now. But wait, I thought it was Roman Reigns' yard now. Ah, he's a tribal chief now. He's on uh, he's on islands. He ain't on yards no more. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right. He's on paradises. <laughs> the next one was... We're at Firefly Funhouse. Now, he... Here's something that I kind of, it really shocked me that he said in this interview. And, well, yeah, it just, uh, it kind of took a little bit of wind out of my cell. Bray Wyatt says in the interview that The Fiend died after losing to Randy Orton in a Mm six-minute match. Bray Wyatt says that The Fiend died at WrestleMania 37 two years ago when he lost to Randy Orton. Wyatt was let go by the Stanford-based promotions in July of 2021, and didn't step foot in the ring during the entirety of his stay away from the company. He made his surprise return to WWE uh, Extreme Rules in 2022 in October. Months before White's relief, The Fiend lost to Randy Orton in just under six minutes at WrestleMania 37. While speaking with Ryan on WWE on Fox, Riot opened up about The Fiend and stated the character died at WrestleMania. The Fiend died, quote, in Tampa, Florida, at WrestleMania to me, you know? And again, The Fiend is not just mm-hmm. a goof in a mask like people think. That's just ridiculous. By the way, he threw that at Jim Cornette. I'm glad he did. To me, it's so much more. And what you see where all these things come from, you know, or how they sculpt me or how they mold me as a human being. But he died that day to me, and it could never be again. It's gone. Also, he stated, he feels he can't do the cult leader character without Brody Lee. It has been three months since Bray Wyatt's return to the WWE, and while leading his first match at a comeback in the pitch black match tomorrow during LA night. Going into what would be the 36th Royal Rumble event, Bray Wyatt sat down and did the interview. He expressed that he feels he cannot do the cult leader character without John Hubbard, a.k.a. Brody Lee, who passed away in 2020. Wyatt feels it would be disrespectful to do so, and it just can't be without him. Quote, for me, the Hawaiian shirt, Colt, Bray, he can't be without Brody. To me, you know, so I can't be that without Brody. It's just not the same. It's disrespectful to my best friend. It just can't be without him. End quote. Wow. Uh, Yeah, I'm a huge fan of The Fiend. The I understand the Brody Lee part. I get it. The Fiend, though, I still think there's unfinished business there, and I hope that it's just a swerve. I thought we were going to see the Fiend, the Fiend tomorrow, at the Royal Rumble. So I don't. I I just don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> uh, I would always say, and I often like to compare uh, Bray Wyatt to Mick Foley sometimes because of the different characters he's played over over his career. The three faces of Foley. Um, 
Bray Wyatt's a guy who always likes to reinvent himself and take on a new persona when he comes back, especially after he's been off TV for a while. And I think the the reason he's saying he do, he doesn't want to do the cult leader or the fiend gimmick is not just because of Brody Lee's death and not just because the fiend character was basically obliterated by the WWE creative team a while back, but he doesn't want to get stale. He wants people to see that he's always coming up with fresh ideas and he can constantly reinvent himself and remain relevant. You think about some of the best wrestlers in the business. Why did they last as long as they did? Your Chris Jericho's, your Undertaker's, other guys. I mean, they had such long careers because they found new ways to present their character to an audience. And that's why it worked for them. Orin, your thoughts? Yeah, just like exactly what Donnie said. Um, you want to always adapt. Obviously, you want you know the saying, don't fix it if it's not broken. But you also need to learn how to adapt. Um, like how he said with Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho has always told you that was like when we say, where's the Y2J of y, uh, Chris Jericho? He said that was around the millennium years. That was 2000. It's not meant for it anymore. And then he started, you know, starting newer chants. Starting the, when he did the Undisputed Champion and all these other ones. You know, obviously the list. Everything was new and revamped. Even though he's on AEW, he's now (laughs) AEW's NSYNC. So it's the fact that he just keeps changing it up, but the fans are following it more, and they're they're giving a feel towards it. And I feel like that's definitely something that we're seeing with Bray. I mean, do we all want to see the Fiend bag? Yeah, of course. But I love the fact that what he said, too, because... We had all this emotional effect, and I think we all talked about it before, with The Undertaker. Me, personally, because I was at WrestleMania 33 when Taker dropped. When he broke character, put his stuff on the ring, in the middle of the ring, laid it out there, and you really thought this was Taker's very last one. I said numerous times, I was not mad that Taker came back to wrestle. I was mad that he came back as the Phenom. Because he had other personas he could have brought back. And of course, he could have brought exactly what we saw Monday. The American Baddie. Like, literally, he could have came back and been that guy. And not have to do all those crazy moves that he is known to do when he's the Phenom. It was different transitions. And something that I see with Bray, too. Bray did a lot of different things as the Fiend than what he did with the original Bray Wyatt. He didn't do the, you know, the spider thing consistently like he used to do when he was... When he was just original Bray Wyatt. The Fiend, he had the mandible claw. And of course he had the spotlight stuff. And then flickering lights and that annoying noise that would be in those matches. So I'm curious to find out what we're going to get tomorrow. I think it was a great representation to make you get more thirst to want to see this match tomorrow. Like I felt like he gave you an appetizer. He gave you... A little breadcrumb, and he's expecting you to constantly come back for more. And I feel like that's what we're going to get tomorrow. I feel like now, is it going to be like one of those moments that we are all expecting? No. I feel like we're going to get a good amount, but we're not going to get so much of it just because the biggest picture is going to be WrestleMania. The biggest picture of what we're going to see with this. I, I'm going to say something that my my co-host from the Commission Talk said, uh, my buddy Dre, I feel like 
Uncle Howdy is probably going to be Bray Wyatt's opponent at WrestleMania. Um, I think there's something that's entitled with it. I feel something that's going to be really exciting to see for the finale, for this overall picture of what's going to happen. And I think this is a good startup for him. So not everybody get too much hopes on into it. But I know we're all going to get some answers tomorrow night regarding this match. Um, I hope it does not get cut or anything. Because obviously we know as long because you know the first match is probably going to be the women's rumble. But I hope none of this gets cut. I feel like if they do exactly how they're going to showcase this now. I feel like this could be one of the most entertaining things that we're going to see. I agree. I agree. I think it should be a great match. Uh, Let's see. uh, Next headline. NBCU comments on possibly buying the WWE. So the potential sell of WWE has been trending topic ever since the former WWE chairman uh, and CEO came (laughs) back to power. Vince has been at the forefront of the political sell. Cited as the prime reason to come out of retirement. However, it seems like another big player, NBC Universal, could be in the race to buy out the company. Vince McMahon retired in 20, uh, 2022. His exit from the company was a big shocker. The heights of facing various sexual and hush money allegations. The new management, led by new co CEO, uh, Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan, and Triple H at the helm of creative completely revamped the product and earned massive praises from fans and critics alike. However, that did not last long as Vince McMahon decided to resurface in WWE earlier this month. He was reinstated as executive chairman of the board with uh, significant changes in management and firings coming right after he returned. As mentioned, Vince McMahon primarily returned to negotiate media deals and pursue the sell of the WWE. During a Comcast earnings call that happened today, the CEO of NBC Universal's Jeff Shell was asked about the company being potential front runner in the acquisition of the WWE and possible merger. Quote We are always looking for boat on acquisitions that bolster our business. Two examples we bought DreamWorks animation and it has been paying off steadily. Since our acquisition. Just now with Puss in Boots. The Last Wish. Which is a big hit at the box office. And really our entrance back into the Shrek universe. Continues to make the acquisition. Look really favorable. And our Blumhouse investment. Over time. We are partners with Jason Blum. And we have a big hit. Megan this month. Which is coming out. Coming out of that investment. NBC Universal has acquired a few companies in the past and could be a good option for Vince McMahon to explore for the sale of WWE. However, many reports have suggested that the Saudi Arabia would potentially be the one to buy out the company, which is a huge mistake. I'm not going to ring this dead horse again. We've talked about Saudi Arabia possibly buying it and how I feel about that. It's just, that's a huge mistake. Come on, if we're going to sell it, let's sell it to NBC. That's better than Disney. That's better than the Saudi Arabia crap. Let's sell it to them. Donnie, your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree that it would kind of be a win-win for WWE if they were acquired by NBC Universal because I'm willing to bet it would probably want to be, be one of those situations where NBC will be like, well, we want you to make this as 
commercially accessible as possible. So some of your content, you guys might need to tone down a bit, which honestly, if you compare WWE's content today to like the Attitude Era and even uh, uh, parts of the Ruthless Aggression Era, they've turned, you know, turned it down considerably and made it, you know, more, a little more family friendly, let's just say. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of crossover possibilities there. There's a lot of possibilities with streaming. You know, we could end up seeing SmackDown or Raw on a different network, maybe one of the NBC channels, which is fine as long as they they stay on television. I, I really don't have a problem with it if NBC Universal acquires WWE. I think that's probably the best case scenario. I've also made my feelings known about how I feel about Saudi Arabia that Saudi Arabia buys WWE, they will be losing losing a fan in me, uh, somebody who's been watching the product since 1991. Your thoughts? That's when I was born. <laughs> you have any thoughts on this, Warren? Um, I'm going to speak into it like as a as a businessman and as a guy that looks at this as, you know, as a job. Um, I'm going to say the NBC thing is probably going to be the number one way to go just because of the fact that they are already partially own with it with regarding peacock um in a way that they have a say in how stuff goes on peacock and you know i feel like that is the next step the biggest thing i want to chew on this and people get mad when i say it but i'm actually speaking in very factual situation when i say this the reason why vince is back is one because stephanie needed time off stephanie had an injury Stephanie did a reality before Vince stepped down. Stephanie was done. If nobody remembers when Triple H had his cardiac arrest, Stephanie was done. Stephanie wanted time to spend with her kids and stuff because she realized life is short. They haven't been there for their kids much. And she wanted to be a mom to her three beautiful daughters and obviously be home. Used to be around family more. Um, triple, I meant Stone Cold, I meant yeah. Vince McMahon came back as a business marketing standpoint. He is not there to change anything regarding booking situations. He has tried, they denied it. They will not let him have any controllability with regards creative or anything like that. Vince is only there to get TV rights deals. Fox lost over a quarter million dollars last year just from WWE. So the biggest thing is. And the sad thing, the reason why they lost so much money, I feel like, with Fox is because Fox bought WWE SmackDown when COVID hit. And that's that took a major hit on any any freaking broad, uh, broadcasting or anything like that. So, But my biggest thing on this scenario is Vince is there to help sell rights to the TV, have a broadcast trust him to buy the product. Um now everybody's thinking too much into this if they do sell you know whatever blah 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 in reality as much people get mad about it disney would be a smart thing for the company because you've got to think as a bigger standpoint for wrestling fans it's not good because they get an outlet to hey you don't have to destroy your body consistently you can get roles into these movies you can get roles into these tv shows and in in visual reality they would be built in as more as big big time superstars against because we look at the audience as the kids as the most that would be a very smart vocal point as a business situation that would be partnered in with disney but 
I feel like NBC will be the number one spot to go. Um, they're even talk about seven bucks. If anybody knows who that production is, he could possibly be running a little bit into it. Um, and I feel like something might go down regarding that, but I don't see Saudi Arabia buying it. Just the fact that Saudi one would change the fact about women wrestling. They would definitely change a lot of things regarding anything individually regarding females. And I feel like that's the only reason why Dirt Sheets got the one up when Stephanie stepped down because everyone assumed the Saudi Arabia deal was instantly. But you see the picture of Stephanie saying that she's recovering from a surgery. And that can really explain what's going on regarding that situation. But WWE being sold, I don't feel like it's going to really make any change regarding to the product. It's just going to be a new owner. And Triple H is still going to run the business. Nick Khan's going to be there as a marketing standpoint, and who knows what Garden Stephanie, who knows, maybe Shane might pop back in, who knows, but I don't feel like there's going to be a lot of major changes regarding the business standpoint as itself, um, but like Donnie did say, I don't see SmackDown being on Fox in the next, whenever their contract's up, I don't see it just because Fox lost a lot of money regarding the WWE, so... They would probably have to work a bigger deal to where they don't lose as much now, money as they uh, have. I have seen several reports that there was rifts between Vince McMahon and Stephanie McMahon, a lot of them, and it was hard for them to work together. I also read a report that was verified that it came from actually uh, Khan, this, the current CEO of the company, that Triple H and Stephanie McMahon are opposed to the selling of the WWE. And therefore, that mm -hmm. played for stepping yeah. down as well. So, just I just want to throw that out there. Uh, next uh, headline: Roman Reigns' original intention for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn angle. Sami Zayn journey from self-proclaimed locker room leader to honorary oose of the bloodlines is a testament to where there's a will, there's a way. Having lost. Respect and credibility in the locker room, Zane began seeking favor with the bloodline on April 22nd episode of WWE SmackDown, and the rest is history. This is the week on Raw 30th. Sami Zayn underwent a trial of the uh, tribal court. It was ultimately Jay Uso who testified on his behalf and rescued the honorary Uso from being pronounced guilty. This was all constructed for a very specific reason since the beginning. So, yeah, so on Monday Night Raw, and by the way, we're doing our, as we go through these, the uh, the wrestling news, we're also going through at the same time the results. So the results was Sami Zayn was found, I guess, not guilty at the court because of Jey Uso, which, by the way, Roman Reigns had already told Solo to take him out, and Jay stepped in. However... Roman Reigns told Sammy he didn't want to see him till Saturday, and he's and he's got one final test on Saturday, which is tomorrow at the Royal Rumble. So let me go on with the story just to catch everybody up that maybe hadn't had a chance to watch Raw yet. In the absence of Dwayne the Rock, the jerk, uh, Johnson, Roman Reigns was previously reported to face <laughs> Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania 39. However, now that Sammy Zayn is a huge draw, courtesy of his status in the bloodline, WWE could be changing those plans, similar to the Kofi Mania storyline 
from WrestleMania 35. On Wednesday, the Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer discussed WWE's plans for Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn on the road to WrestleMania. Since the WWE Universe is behind Zayn, it only makes sense for WWE to book him in a feud with the Tribal Chief. In other words, strike while the iron is hot. Quote, studying the ratings makes it obvious that Sami Zayn is the guy. Cody can wait. Maybe he can wrestle him later at WrestleMania or SummerSlam against Sami Zayn or, you know, there's a million ways to get Cody, and at some point they should get Cody too. Right now, to me, it's Sami Zayn's time. In recent weeks, WWE teased a match between Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn as Kevin Owens is also heavily involved. While the WWE Universe is intrigued by the possibilities, you want to see the bloodline break up. Quote, right now, again, it's weird because the go, you know, the go for Roman Reigns' standpoint all along was to make Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in the stars, in the bigger stars. That's actually worked. But, you know, the original plan, what can I what I can say, and obviously the original plan was not Sami Zayn. And even as late as a couple weeks ago, they were trying to figure out something that's not Sami that's not going to be Sami Zayn. Sometimes it's handed to you. <clears throat> Sami Zayn has had his fair <laughs> Fair share of struggles in the in his bloodline journey. At a Survivor Series War Games, Zayn proved his loyalty to the faction by delivering a low blow to Kevin Owens. Jay Uso finally accepted Zayn as a part of the bloodline and as they will celebrated their victory. It remains to be seen whether WWE would push for Zayn into the universal title picture with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 35. As of now, it remains to be seen what the test of the honorary Oos has to do on Saturday at the Royal Rumble. Now, this is very interesting. I don't know. I'm sure it has something to do with cheating, so Roman Reigns will get the victory over Kevin Owens. I, I can't see them. I don't know, but I say this all the time, and the storyline's got to come to an end sooner or later, but I, I just I don't know. Now, there's another article that came out after uh, hours after I wrote this one, and let's see here. I want to find it real quick because I think it's going to, it's, it goes right along with it. Yeah, so basically what it is, is what they're saying is Vince McMahon and Triple H say that, say that Sami Zayn could not and will not be the face of the company. Dave Meltzer reported that mm-hmm. no, Sami Zayn will never be the face of the WWE. However, however, he could win the title. As Zane mentioned in an interview, which I watched that interview right before we did the podcast uh, with um, Hakeem, I can't think of his name, but it was a great interview. Sami Zayn mentioned that he could have the title for six months or so, but he knows because of the way he looks, he's not built like a Rock or Brock Lesnar, that he could never be the guy. Triple H and Vince McMahon both agree in that, but that is not saying that he is completely out of the universal title picture. However, Sammy did admit during the interview one day before the Rumble, which this interview just happened, he still has no idea who the winner of the Rumble is. So, therefore, he's not been informed of anything. That is a telltelling sign to me this close to the Rumble. Your thoughts, Donnie? Well, in my opinion, because you mentioned Cody Rhodes, and I know he's kind of like the big favorite to win the Rumble this year, but... 
You also can't forget that right now the big story is Sami Zayn and his involvement with the bloodline and the rift that's forming between him and Roman Reigns. And I'm going to take you back to 2014 when you had another superstar, Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan was red hot. The audience wanted to see him in the main event of WrestleMania. But leading up to the Royal Rumble, everybody was talking about how it was going to be Batista's time because he was returning to the WWE for the first time in a few years after leaving for Hollywood. And what happened? He ended up winning the Royal Rumble that year and got booed out of the building. But yet, in the weeks following the Royal Rumble, it seemed like that was still going to be the plan, Batista versus Randy Orton, until they basically found themselves backed into a corner and they had no choice but to give in to what the audience wanted and to book Daniel Bryan in the main event. So now we're in a situation, the storyline's a little bit different, but the fans really want to see Sami Zayn break away from Roman Reigns and challenge him from the, for the title. So what do you do? I mean, Roman Reigns has two world title belts right now. He's got the WWE and the Universal title. Do you have him wrestle two ma- matches on WrestleMania weekend? Maybe he defends against Cody Rhodes one night and defends against Sami Zayn the other night. What do you do? It's it's a t- tough scenario to plan out. There's a lot of different things you could do. I I, I don't know what direction they're going to go. I really I'm really at a loss. I do not know. Warren. All right. We ready? We ready for this? All right. First and foremost, Cody is definitely one of the guys that should be the one crown. Because here's the story. You see the vignettes that they've been doing. You see the work that they've been pushing in. Cody gave you his absolute life to be in the WWE. As you clearly remember, Hell in a Cell. Cody wrestled with a torn peck. Um, Literally, he really couldn't have damaged it anymore. It was just going to be a lot painful regardless of what he was in state. And I and I'm pretty sure it was not the best thing to feel in any possible way. Now, the Sami Zayn thing. And this is something I want to address as well on this. When is the Elimination Chamber? Next month. Does anybody know one? Next month. There's your story. Yeah, he's actually... Sami Zayn's supposed to be headlining the pay-per-view with Roman Reigns. So... Obviously, there's going to be something regarding with that. And and I love the fact that Donnie compared, you know, with the Batista and Daniel Bryant story. The biggest thing I will say regarding that, the only difference is Cody didn't leave wrestling, leave WWE, because he hated what was going on with the company. Cody left it so he could prove he could be that main eventer. He could prove that he's not just Goldust's brother. Prove that he's just not another another great mechanic and they will never put him as a main eventer. Um, the difference between with Sami Zayn, Sami Zayn has been there for so long and he knows his role. He knows his role and he's he's having a blast doing it. And I think, you know, maybe they could do something with him at Mania. Maybe they could do either, like y'all said, night one against Sami, night two against Cody. Obviously, night one, I guarantee, is probably going to beat Sammy in night two. He'll probably lose to Cody. But he could also do is this, just like how Donnie said. Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn versus Cody Rhodes. Sammy has to beat somebody at that mania 
for night one to go compete at night two. They could do a big old trial with this. Um, but my thing is, if they crown Sami Zayn as your heavyweight champion, I feel like it's going to be like a Kofi Kingston moment. It's going to be great at first. It's going to die out later on. And when I say later on, not even in a month. You're, you're going to lose interest regarding Sami Zayn as your champ. Just because how wrestling fans are. They, they're they like coats, man. It's awesome to have that new, you know, that new Versace-type jacket. You know, those leather, leather interior, great-feeling jackets when it's cold time. But it, it gets stale. That first feel is also amazing. Like AEW. AEW was amazing when it first came out. Now we're seeing the kinks and all the struggles because that coat is getting wear and wear down. We don't care for it that much anymore. I feel like that is what we could use with this reference regarding Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn would be another Kofi Kingston. Um, but Cody, I totally believe he deserves to win this championship match, um, obviously. And... KY, we're going to have some talks if you keep talking about the GOAT like you do. But I'm just right going to say it like this. Sami Zayn is doing a great job. The trial of the trial of Sami Zayn was the most entertaining thing that happened on Monday Night Raw. Major Oscar to Jay. Um, that would even told a major story with Jay. And even could even put more cracks regarding the bloodline. And you know, and it could make a storyline into a night one of Mania or something. And maybe the Usos turn on Roman Reigns. You never know. Like it could be so many different stories with this. And the one thing I do love about how this story is going, how me, you, and Donnie can literally go, I don't know what's going right. to happen. That is the best feeling regarding a wrestling fan because now you can invest yourself to watch this show and you're not going to just sit here and watch it like a play-by-play -play, critique it type scenario. You're going to be like, oh man, this is going to be exciting. This is ex right. this is extravagant. They're not leaking this stuff out to dirt sheets. That's one thing I love about this match or what's going with the build. I totally believe that Roman is going to want Sammy to help uh, help him beat KO at right. tomorrow. And Probably want him at the Rumble and be like, hey, I want you to help make it where Solo wins or help make it where the, right. the Usos win. And then they get to the final ones and then they get eliminated. It's just those different storylines regarding this. But Sammy is supposed to be headlining against Roman Reigns in in uh, Toronto at uh, Elimination Chamber. So I feel like that's just going to be the, on the to the poster store. for the Elimination Chamber. It shows Sammy in one of the quads. That's the whole poster. Yeah, I've heard mm -hmm. that. So let's just go over one more headline, and then we've got to get to our prediction. reason why I say Kofi Yeah, Kingston. we're almost out of time, so let's go ahead and go over one more story, and then we'll go over our predictions. Uh, the final headline, which isn't the final headline. We have a bunch more that we should have got to, but it'll be okay. We'll put it off the next episode. Here we go. So AEW's Tony Khan... I'm not going to read the whole thing because if you watch uh, Dynamite, you know what this is about. AEW's Tony Khan pushed hard to change the Warner Brothers Discovery's minds for the Jay Briscoe tribute. So this is pretty cool. I'm just going to read the top of the headline. We'll talk about it. On Dynamite, if you guys haven't had a chance to watch that, for those of you who are listening, go watch that show. That tribute and the last match 
Mark Briscoe finally is on AEW. And as we mentioned on the last episode, the reason why is because of a tweet that Jay Briscoe did so many years ago that he's apologized for several times, and Warner Brothers did not want the Briscoes on the show. However, Tony Khan made several attempts to get them on the show, and finally, finally, Warner Brothers came around. And I think it's a good thing they did because everybody enjoyed that show. There were so many people, even good old JR, had some nice things to say about Jay Briscoe. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about tweets and we're talking about somebody's life or death. We're talking about death leaving two children. Of course, they should have gave in. They should have gave in right away and not prevented it the week prior. But at least they allowed it. Good on them. And I tell you what, say what you want to about Tony Khan, but man, he deserves all the credit in the world for what he's done and what he's doing. And we can't get into that because they won't make it public, but I know a little bit about it from behind the scenes, what he's doing for that family. And say what you want to, but I have a whole new respect for Tony Khan. I still think he's not a very good as creative, but as a human being, fought on. Your thoughts, Tony? Definitely says a lot about Tony Khan that he cares cares about the people who work for him. In this case, Jay Briscoe, who was a longtime Ring of Honor employee, um, very well respected by a lot of people in the business. And the thing was, Kentucky guy, I remember reading that it wasn't just Jay Briscoe's controversial tweet from years ago that got the Briscoe brothers banned by Warner Brothers Discovery. It also had to do with the fact that the Briscoe brothers, their ring attire, um, showcased the Confederate flag at different points. Okay, I get it. Um, it's the year 2022. If you're an American, you really shouldn't be walking around uh, waving the Confederate flag. It's not exactly, uh, it wasn't exactly a good time in the history of the country when the when those were pretty prominent. But at the same breath, you also have to understand that the Briscoes themselves were playing characters at the end of the day. These were their personas. They were these down and dirty Southern boys. And, you know, they weren't the first wrestlers. And I'm sure they'll not be the last wrestlers to have Confederate logos on their, uh, on their ring attire. Um, but I'm so glad that Tony Khan fought for this, that they wanted to pay tribute to him on all elite wrestling's programming. Mark Briscoe wrestled, wrestled a great match with Jay Lethal. I mean, it was, it was a great moment for anyone who has followed the career of the Briscoe brothers. Yeah. You know, and just before you go, Warren, uh, on this subject, let me say one thing. Why, why is it wrong with the Confederate flag? Do you know how many, I live in the great state of Kentucky and you go up some of these side roads and you would be surprised. You know, it doesn't always mean, the flag doesn't always represent slavery. It represents something totally different in the last 20 years and that's called being a rebel against society, anti-society. So this Me Too, Me Too movement crap, I'm just so sick of it. And it's got in our sports and it's, it, it's been in our sports. And it's just, I don't see it going anywhere, and I'm just sick of it. Okay, Warren, your thoughts? Okay, all right, you must have fell asleep. No problem. All right, so uh, Rob Van Dam commented on the possibility of being in a Royal Rumble appearance. However, he said anything's possible, but nothing 
has been said to him. So therefore, we're way, 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 way too uh, close, too close to the Royal Rumble for him to be in it. But I did want to mention one other thing, uh, Mr. Cage, before we get on to picking our predictions. Matt Cordona, once again, formerly known as Zack Ryder, has locked down a new trademark. Remember, I mentioned that he locked down the name Zack Ryder the other day. On January 19th, the star fulfilled the gimmick attorney, Michael E. Dukakis, for the trademark rights of Woo Woo Woo, You Know It. He used this catchphrase throughout his career in the WWE. It's, it's filled for toys, entertainment, and merchandise purposes. This comes right after he filed the trademark for Zack Ryder name. I wonder, 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 what is going on there, my friend? Your thoughts? I mean, I have no idea why, if you've been wrestling under your real name for so many different promotions in the last two years, why you would suddenly go back and trademark the name Zack Ryder, and you're, you're saying, woo, 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 you know it. Um, I think it's just a matter of time with, with the rumors of his wife, Chelsea Green, returning to WWE. I think it only makes sense for Matt Cardona, a.k.a. Zack Ryder, to do the same thing. And he's just covering all of his bases, just to be safe. So regardless whether we see him at the Royal Rumble or after the Royal Rumble, I think Zack Ryder's going to be back in WWE in the very near future. Yeah, you th- so I know that Chelsea Green, which is his wife, right? It, she that's, that, she that's, is supposed that's right. to be back. It's just, uh, you know, I don't know. I do not know. So a lot of you are wondering what happened with the Bailey and Becky Lynch match and why it seemed to be like it was scrapped on Monday night on Raw. Basically what happened was the Bloodline segment with the trial for Sami Zayn, ran over. So therefore, they were given a choice. Either cut it short or have like a a six-minute match or do what they did, right, with that angle, and there would be a future bigger match between the two. So also on Monday night, if you didn't get a chance to watch it, Hulk Hogan opened the show, which was pretty, pretty cool. And just a spoiler alert before we get into our predictions, this tonight on SmackDown, there's been a big name scheduled to appear, and that name appeared on Raw as well, and interfered in the Theory and Bobby Lashley match, and that's Brock Lesnar. So what? here's what I'm looking at. I'm thinking that Lesnar is also scheduled for the Royal Rumble show tomorrow as well. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking we're going to see Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. They have room for the match. Your thoughts on those, sir? If I were to take a guess, it's going to be that Brock Lesnar is going to announce that he's in the Royal Rumble and that he and Lashley are going to are going to clash in the match itself. It's going to probably be one of those situations where they eliminate each other and continue to fight around the arena, and that's going to set up a future match either at WrestleMania or at Elimination Chamber or one of those. Um, because I, because there's a part of me that thinks they're not going to drag this out to WrestleMania. There's a part of me that thinks Brock Lesnar might get booked for another match at WrestleMania, potentially. I could be wrong, and it might be the rubber match between him and Bobby Lashley instead. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're, I think that's what they're setting up. I don't think the match is going to happen 
I don't think there's going to be a one-on-one match at the Royal Rumble. I don't think this late in the game that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, hey, Warren, welcome back, buddy. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hey, uh, <laughs> I'm so good. We're getting ready to go over the prediction for the Royal Rumble. And what we were talking about is Bobby Le- or uh, Brock Lesnar interfering in the match on Monday between Theory and Bobby Lashley. And Brock Lesnar is scheduled to be at the Royal mm. Rumble as well as he's scheduled to be at SmackDown tonight. I'm saying that I think they're going to make another match because they have room. Uh, Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. Donnie says I'm crazy and that's not going to happen. What are your thoughts? Mm. Um, Honestly, we know something between Lesnar and Lashley are about to clash regardless. It's either they're going to clash in the Rumble or, like how you just said, they're going to make an extra match. And I think Theory is going to get in. In, involved in it as well. I think it's going to be a triple threat between Lesnar, Theory, and Lashley. Um, it could be that, or I feel like they're all three announcing themselves are going to be in the Rumble. But obviously, we see the thing between Lesnar and Lashley. I love it. It's like literally seeing two of the same personalities in so many different ways. Um, I think it's going to be a good box draw just itself. But I think, I love how what you said that they would just make another match. But I think it would be a triple threat because obviously you got to include Austin Theory because Theory pinned Lashley. It would, I don't necessarily think that they would make the match without it being a title match, but who knows. I think all three are probably yeah. going to be in the Rumble. And Brock Lesnar was your Royal Rumble winner last year, so it could be interesting. All right, so speaking of the Royal Rumble... Let's get on to our predictions for this year's Royal Rumble card. First thing on the list, boys, I'm going to hit you hard to start off the bat, and that is the Men's Royal Rumble. Who do you think will be the winner? I am going to pick somebody out of left field. I think Seth Rollins is going to win the Rumble this year. Donnie, your thoughts? I'm going to go with the, the safe pick, the surefire pick. Cody Rhodes. Warren. I'm going with Cody. I think he's well over done. Um, this story, it's written itself. Uh, I could probably say maybe it's going to be a factor point between Seth Rollins and Cody. But I, who knows? But I really think Cody's going to pull business. this one out. They do, but you can't watch another match. <laughs> I mean, there are great matches. It's just right. we need another dance partner. And I think it could make sense if this happens because now you can see Cody and Seth battle it out against each other again. So obviously that. But Seth is in a babyface role right now, and I don't think they're going to mess up a protecting babyface how they got with Cody right now to go against Seth. I think the fans would be very split between each, and I think it would probably kill some of the credibility that you want. Yeah, the good thing about Seth Rollins is he can go in and out a baby face heel like easily. So Yeah. I've always said he's a mutual person. I don't think he's considered a baby face or a heel, but fans yeah. they love he, him. So you don't want to protect a baby face against the he flavor me so of the much of Chris Jericho because whether he's Oh yes. Completely. Hands down. Completely. I've been saying that numerous times. People people have been trying to say the acknowledgement, you know I got punk vibes with him when he first turned on the shield. 
just the fact that he could have the microphone in his hand, they just booed him out of the building, like how Punk could have had. But I love that transition, what you say about with Jericho, because Seth has changed this character each and every time, and the fans just get way more behind it every single time, just like how we did with Chris Jericho. He could work any style. He could work with anyone and make that look amazing. Like, look what he did with Riddle. Look what he did with Cody. Look what he did with everybody that he had that last year. I mean, it's just insane to say because I never thought I could cheer for a guy like Seth Rollins just because of, like, how he was when he first turned on the Shield. I just absolutely despised him at the time. But the credibility to this guy and stuff, man... He's that he's got something, and obviously him and Roman still gotta do their last right. send off eventually. So I think something's gonna come between that. But I really, I really feel like Cody's gonna pull this one out for sure. You're not gonna bring him back after all right, those. So let's move specials. on to the women's Royal Rumble match, and I am actually going to pick Rhea Ripley to win this match. I think the Judgment to show up big hmm. at the Royal Rumble. And uh, that's who, that's my pick. Yours, uh, Donnie? I'm going to agree. I, th- I think uh, Mommy, as Dominic calls her, is definitely going to win the Royal Rumble this year. She was the runner-up in 2021 to Bianca Belair. I think it's her time to show. Uh, Warren. <laughs> Dominic? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I think we all pretty much agree yeah, I think so too. I think there might be some surprises of people showing up for this Rumble. However... That's the that would be the only thing that would make yeah, you want to pause on your pick, but Rhea's yeah, the, the hottest only thing, thing that on might right mess now. that up is I heard possibly Beth Phoenix may be in the rumble, and if she is, there's only one person she's going after. Mm-hmm. We all know who that is. So let's see. Yeah, and there's yes, rumor about uh-huh. Shana. So let's move on to uh, let's talk about the main event here: Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens for the Unified Universal Championship. I believe that somehow Roman Reigns is going to win, but I don't believe that Kevin Owens is going to go down easy. Something's going to happen, make him look even stronger, but he'll still lose the match. So I've got Roman Reigns, the tribal chief. Donnie? Definitely a big KO fan. He always delivers when he's in these main event matches. He's going to definitely go not go down without a fight. But this is not going to be the night where the uh, tribal chief is going to get knocked off his throne. So I am also picking Roman yeah, Reigns. Yeah, let me just copy off that real quick. The reason why I'm picking Roman Reigns, first of all, he's my tribal chief. But the second thing is, it's for both titles. It's the Unified Universal Championship. They're going to split those titles, just like they are the tag team sooner or later. When, they, when he has a match for one title, that's when you can say, uh-oh, he's getting ready to lose one. Uh thoughts Warren. Mm-hmm. I think we're all pretty much the same on it. I feel like Roman's going to pull it out, but this is going to be one of KO's best showings that he's done. And I feel like that promo that he just delivered Monday, it makes you take a step back and make you even consider that maybe KO could be that guy. Maybe KO can beat Roman Reigns. But we also got so many different ties. You got Sami Zayn involved. You got all these different Pieces that are going to go around. We obviously know the Usos are going to get involved. We obviously know that Solo Sokoa is going to probably get involved. Now, the biggest thing is, how is he going to pull it off and how, what's going to happen? Um, I really would love to see KO win, but like all, like we just said, it's for both titles. I don't see it happening, sadly, but 
It's going to be a heck of a showcase. Yep, I think so, too. I really do. Uh, the next match, I think the one that we're all waiting for, is Bray Wyatt versus L.A. Knight, the pitch black match. So, originally, originally, I made a statement. Well, I didn't make a statement. I had wrote down that if Bray Wyatt shows up as the fiend, I was going to pick Bray Wyatt. If he showed up as anything else, I was going to pick L.A. Knight. However, since that interview I watched this morning, <laughs> and him saying the fiend's dead, I still got to go with Bray Wyatt. He definitely didn't come back to lose. And with this huge storyline, yes, he is great at putting people over, but he's already done wonders for L.A. Knight's career. People know who L.A. Knight is now, but not everybody watches NXT, and they see how great he is on the microphone. So he's already done the push for L.A. Knight, so he's going to get the victory in the ring. I've got Bray Wyatt. Don? I also agree that Bray Wyatt's going to win this match, but I, like you were saying, Kentucky guy, when they made L.A. Knight L.A. Knight again, they basically saved his career on SmackDown because that Max Dupree character with the maximum male models was one of the worst things I ever witnessed in my entire life. Um, no, it wasn't Shockmaster. Oh, man, I don't know. It was pretty bad. Um, so I just don't want them to make L.A. Luger. Knight look weak. I want them to, again, let him put up a fight here, just like I said with Kevin Owens taking on Roman Reigns. But I also think it would be a mistake to bring Bray Wyatt back, hype him up, and not have him win this match. So I'm also going with Bray Wyatt. Born. And y'all going to make me the weird one. Really? I say L.A. Knight. Uncle Howdy's going to interfere with the match and cause Bray the match. Hmm. <laughs> okay, interesting. All right, so. And then the last match on the card. See where I say they have room for Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley? They only have one more match. And that is Bianca Belair, old pony hair girl, versus Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship. Hands down, it's time. Bianca Belair's done. Alexa Bliss will be your new Raw Women's Champion. I don't care if Uncle Howdy helps her or not. She's going to beat this girl. Donnie? You know, Alexa's had kind of a uh, kind of had an advantage over Bianca for quite a while now, ever since she became number one contender. And she's tapping into that dark side. So we know she is dying to reclaim what was once hers. However, I truly believe that the EST is going to ponytail whip Alexa Bliss down and put her away with the KOD for a 1-2-3. I am going with Bianca Belair. What the hell is the matter with you? Why? Seriously, are, are you on drugs? Bianca Belair, oh my God. Oh my God, I'm glad this is the last match. Go ahead, Warren. I'm changing my pick for the Rumble. I think uh, since how this has been transitioned, I feel like the final is going to be regarding Flair. Um, I say Bliss wins tomorrow night. Bianca wins at the Rumble and faces Charlotte for the SmackDown well, title. Well, so I'm going with Bliss. Usually, the Rumble starts off with the Women's Royal Rumble, so the match would already have happened before Bliss and Belair, though, right? Uh, Lord only knows what the card's going to be like. But if it's like that, then yes. But if it's like how it did, then it, that, actually that would probably only be for the men. So, nah, Rio's going to still win. I I still think Alexa is going to be the one to pull it out. If not, like how we've all been saying, Uncle Howdy might be in a factor into it. But it's either Bianca gets a good showing out of it and Alexa just revamps up to win. Or... Alexa's going to be pounding on Bianca and then 
Howdy shows up and infects her to lose. So I want be I want Alexa to win because Bianca needs to have that moment again to where she can feel like she's still part of the group and not just higher up from everybody. In my right. opinion, and I, yeah, that, I mean that makes sense. I just uh, wow, I can't believe Bianca Belair, Donnie, man. Uh, okay, so let's see here. So that's all. That's everything on our predictions on the Rumble. And it looks like, yeah, we've went over time, but that's fine. Uh, let's see, Donnie, you have anything else, sir, for tonight's episode? And just so much going on in the wrestling world. I mean, um, I guess just a, just to quickly touch base on AEW, I mean, Kentucky guy, I know we talked about this last week a little bit with what's going on behind the scenes, and I'm just curious to get Warren's take as well. Kentucky <laughs> guy mentioned that at this point in time, it sounds like, Tony Khan has realized that letting CM Punk's contract with AEW just run out is actually going to be way less costly for him and is going to be just the easiest way to put this relationship to an end. So I just want to get uh, your thoughts if you think that's what's going to happen. Are we done ever seeing Punk on AEW television? And is he done as a pro wrestler, basically? Um, Those are two... Subjects I don't care for, honestly. Um, Punk, the way he done everything, he should not be able to be presented back to AWTV. I would say hold it off as long as you can. Maybe you can build your image back. Go to an independent show or something. Build your credibility back where the crowd can actually invest into you. Um, the AEW fans are not very forgetful, if that makes any sense. Um... As always, we've been praising MJF for a while now. His stuff is starting to wear off. Fans are starting to not even care about MJF well, now. So I feel like the thing with Punk, I think it's a bitter pill for them. But for TK's personal standpoint, obviously we know how big of a fan that he is of CM Punk. I feel like he should have been fired to begin with. It would have saved him so much money. Um He's paid Punk way too much money, I, in my opinion, more than he should have been paid to begin with. And I don't know. I mean, honestly, as a business persona standpoint, and especially if you're wanting to build the the bond that you have with your locker room, your best bet was to get rid of Punk. So, honestly, I say yes. It, this is the end of CM Punk. And okay, so I have it on good authority. Uh, I have it on WCW. good authority that there is a 99% chance he will never be back on AEW television. Also, or is firing him, they started to mm-hmm. fire him, but they had to buy that contract out. And he would not take face value of his contract. And this is, uh, and the only thing I can say is this is pretty good sources. This isn't the dirt sheets or anything like that. These are He, he would have done the same thing he done with WWE. He would have sued them, won the case. And won right. even more money than what they would have brought. So that's the only reason right. why I so feel like they the did buyout, not fire him. Where he asked this ridiculous amount of money, my opinion, Tony, now this is mm-hmm. my opinion, this last part. Tony Khan, being the businessman he is, say what you want, he's still a businessman. He figures the longer he waits and puts CM Punk, because CM Punk is injured, the longer he waits and puts him on ice, they call it, the, the less he'll have to pay to do that contract buyout. They're still going to have to buy it out sooner or later. He's not going to be... Shame it. It's not his mouth that. that's injured. I said it's a shame it. It's not yeah. his mouth that's but, injured. But uh, anyways, just to catch up there. Anything else, Donnie? 
No, I am. Uh, hey, that, Warren, go ahead and give, uh, give out your podcast and social media and that before we go, sir. Hey, guys, I appreciate everyone having me on. Uh, it's always a, a pleasure to be on Against the Mat podcast, wrestling podcast. Um, I'm a vague. I listen to this every week as much as I can. Um, y'all can catch me on my podcast, Buzzing with Marlo. You can also catch me on Wednesdays with the commission. We do commission talks every Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesdays. Um, it alternates between my buddy Eric the Joker, which is, is the Wrestling Asylum, and my buddy uh, Dre on Wheels from the 1130 podcast. We're all on YouTube. You can find us, subscribe to us. We greatly appreciate it. Always enjoy the likes and the comments and the response that we get. I have now been labeled as the Skip Bayless of pro wrestling, so I'm still trying to figure out if I'm going to accept that <laughs> that idea or what. But um, it's always a pleasure. Uh, love the fact that people want to have me on, talk about wrestling, and you know, obviously everybody's been asking about a certain someone. I did open. I just, if you haven't, check out my episode that just went out today at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Um, I now have made the book open for the big feud that's been going on regarding a certain someone in this podcast world, and um, we'll see what happens there. My schedule is open next month, and that's all I'm going to say regarding that, but check out my episode with Julia Langley, um, singer from the Cirque de la Soul. If anybody doesn't know what that is, that is the mecca of circuses, and she has been doing this for quite some time. And the title is, I think, is the most perfect thing you could say. To run with, to run with, away with the circus and to make it become a success. Um, great episode, great thing to talk about, you know, just the ins and outs of being an entertainer in the circus genre. And constantly being traveling and the perks and the downfalls for it as well. So check that episode out. Like I said, you can catch me every Friday and every other Wednesday. And I'm even doing a special Thursday night. We're going to have my friend that's going to be talking about pH levels and how it helps help save you. Basically regarding with cancer and stuff like that and stuff that doctors do not inform you or let you know of. So definitely check out those episodes. We're going to have three specials next week. Um, obviously, we've got the Royal Rumble tomorrow. I'm very excited to know about that pay-per-view to see what's going to happen, but... KY, it's always a pleasure, even though you disrespected the GOAT. But, hey, Donnie, always a pleasure to see you and chat with y'all as well. Yeah, I I was going to say, I didn't say anything bad about the GOAT. I mean, I love Chris Jericho. All right, so, uh, (laughs) yeah, I got a chance to check out your live (laughs) today, and I thought it was very, very interesting uh, what she had to say. I thought it was a good good interview, man. All right, guys, so you've been listening to... Against the Mat Wrestling it. Podcast. With your hosts, Donnie Cage and the Kentucky Guy, and our special guest, Warren Marlowe from Buzzing with Marlowe Podcast. Hey, as always, guys, thank you for listening. God bless, and God bless America. <laughs> <laughs>